Hey there, it's Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, host of the Pat Miller Show. This show is for small business owners so they can make their business dreams come true. Our slogan is Don't Grow It Alone. And what you're going to hear is a broadcast of our show that's carried in 25 cities around the country. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Hope you love it. All right, let's go. America's small business conversation is on the air. It's the Pat Miller Show. One hour exclusively for entrepreneurs to work on your business, not in it. It's time to solve problems, capture opportunities, and celebrate your wins. Powered by the Idea Collective small business community. This is the Pat Miller Show. Now your host, Pat Miller, the Idea Coach. Welcome into the Pat Miller Show, America's small business conversation. I'm Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, the host of the show, and that guy that's on the radio standing up for small business owners everywhere. Now, on this show, we talk about stuff that you need to know. So we're going to talk about how to make change in your business. We're going to talk about how to get more knowledge into your brain. There's a small business book club that started with a friend of mine, and it's really good. So we'll celebrate the launch of the club and get you interested in reading more. And we'll talk about the stupidest person on the planet. Like, it's no debate. Even when you're having a bad day, you're not as dumb as this person. That's all coming up on the show. But I want to start with the answers to the test when it comes to selling a small business owner. So if your job is to sell to other small business owners, this particular segment is going to make you money. But it's also a declaration of what we expect as a small business owner when you're trying to sell me something. Maybe it's a, a event. It's definitely. <laughs> it's Let's be real. I'm definitely going to vent on behalf of small business owners. Uh, because there are some things that small business owner salespeople do that drive me bananas. So I want to talk about how to sell into small business, and I want to get some stuff off my chest. So let's start here. If you are selling into small business and you get a paycheck, I am going to trust you less. Because the first thing you have to understand when you start selling to small business owners is that we eat what we kill. And with that methodology of we eat what we kill, we are making decisions differently than probably uh, salespeople are. Because if a salesperson for a big company is getting a paycheck, you won't understand the reason why I ask for concessions or the reasons why some things are a big deal to me but don't make sense to you. And I'll give you some of these examples here in a minute. But if you get a salary and you're not strictly commission, or you are not eating what you kill as well, I'm going to trust you less. So just know that going in, because that's how we make our decisions. So now let's talk about how to sell into a small business owner, because small business owners are good at doing something, but they also have to do all of these other things. So we do need service providers. We do need partners that help us make our business go. So there's definitely a need, and we do need to make some decisions to get the help that we need. But because we eat what we kill, we're going to ask some questions, and we're going to need to take action in a slightly different way. So the first thing that you can do if you're selling into a small business is to be mindful of our time. 
because we've all had salespeople who come to us as though we're just there to fill their week. I mean, raise your hand if you've had the salesperson that wants to take you out to lunch or that wants to do a sit down to get to know you. I ain't got time for that. I don't want to go out to lunch so you can sell me something. Now, I will go play golf with you. You want to take me to a nice course? I will do that. Well, that's being just straight honest. I don't care what you're selling. You want to take me out to a nice golf course? That'll start the conversation. But let's go out to lunch so we can talk about your needs. No, I don't have time for that. And then when we get into the selling process, some salespeople just take freaking forever. Yeah, um, I can get you that proposal by next Friday. Is that good? No, I need it today. Like, come on. You know what? Let's have another call to... No, I don't want to have another call. How much is it? Great. I'll send you some forms that you can fill out so we can start... No, no. I don't want to fill out your forms for your sales force. Take notes during our conversation and fill it up. Think about all the ways that you're wasting time for your small business clients. Because as the small business guy on the radio, it drives us crazy. Here's another check if you're trying to sell into small businesses that you should be aware of. Don't show us proof of performance for big companies because you think it's sexy and gets credibility for you. Well, Pat, you know, we just worked with this Fortune 500 company and they, I don't care. I, I don't care how you got results for Google or Dell. I, I don't care about the local hospital that made $10 billion. How did you do for the local bakery? How did you do for this small service provider? Show me proof of performance that looks like me, not proof of performance that makes you look good. Because I'm going to doubt that the results and strategies you got for a multi-billion dollar hospital would be the same strategy and results you would get for my little business. Here's another thing. Oh, this one drives me crazy. And if you're just joining us, we're talking about how to sell into small business owners. It's a rant. I know. It's a rant. I'm sorry. But I'm standing up for you. So hopefully the salespeople that come at us will do a better job. Here's another thing, okay? Results. Results are not impressions. Results are not necessarily cost per click. Results are meetings and closed deals. Show me how you got a client more clients. Don't show me how you got them more traffic. I don't care. I don't care about impressions. I care about deals. Here's another thing. Ooh, I'm just starting to get warmed up now. Here's another th- and another thing. The term. You want to do business with me? Don't show up with a 12-month unbreakable term. Well, that's just the way we do it. It's an annual deal. Nope. No, I don't have the financial flexibility to make a bad decision that I'm stuck with for a year. Give me a 90-day renewing contract with an option for an annual. Don't show up with just an annual because it's easier for you or your sales manager. Don't care. Here's another thing. Payment. Oh, my gosh. Okay. You're selling into small business. We make a deal. You send me the invoice, and the only way I can pay you is with an ECH or a check. Don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. 
Please allow me to pay on a credit card and don't show up with that 3.5% service charge. You eat that. You want my business? You eat that. I may not have the entire sum on hand to make this deal. Credit cards are helping me. They're helping many people like me. Don't act like that's not a normal thing. Here's another thing. Response time. I can't tell you how many times I've worked with someone, we've gotten the deal, and they walk away. And then when I need something, I have to like schedule a meeting. No, no, I don't have time for that. If we do a deal fast, make sure you service me fast. We are moving things fast. We are breaking things. We need to eat what we kill when we need support. Oftentimes, we're doing something we don't feel like doing in the first place by reaching out to you. Please service the account as quickly as you can. And here's the last thing. This is the last thing. Oh, boy. The setup process. When we make a deal and it's time for the service or product to begin, can you help me out? Can you, can you help me just, I just have to sign here and the product starts? I don't need to go in and give you every piece of information I've ever created. I don't need to go in and restate all the stuff I already told you on the discovery call. Uh, Do a little research. Come on, help me out just a little bit. If you really want to win when it's time to sell into small business, understand what we're going through. We have to make a result or we don't make the mortgage, which means every minute of every day, is valuable, which means the cost of your product goes up, 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 up with every single minute you waste of mine. Now, that's true for everyone. So I'm not some unicorn on the planet that uh, is asking you to sell differently. These are all probably good reminders for client services, but I can't tell you how many times salespeople take way too long. They burden me with way too much work. They try and lock me into a term that's way longer than I can afford with results that don't matter and then a payment plan that doesn't fit my lifestyle. These are all important things to think about. And if you're a small business owner and you're listening to this, does this not make sense? Do you not love this list? Wouldn't it be great if everyone sold this way? Well, hopefully they hurt us and they'll take action. Okay, let's make a change in our small business. Our next guest, MJ Reiners, is going to teach us how to make changes that stick. We'll talk with MJ next on this episode of The Pat Miller Show. Thanks for tuning in. America's Small Business Conversation continues next on The Pat Miller Show. Are you a woman who needs to protect and grow your business? Or do you have a secret dream to start one? I bet you do. If you don't have a lawyer on your side, you may be putting your family and personal assets at risk. I know, I know. You might be avoiding lawyers because they seem overwhelming or intimidating. That's why you have to meet the team at Athena Legal Solutions, LLC.com. This all-woman team of talented lawyers are the most approachable, knowledgeable, and friendly team you'll ever meet. They exist solely to support women business owners who often go without the legal support they truly need. In 2023, they want to help 223 women create a solid legal foundation for their business. The first 100 women who mention this ad will receive over $100 off of their LLC starter package. Visit Athena Legal Solutions, LLC.com.
You're an expert in your own field, so why not get paid for it? Hey there, it's Wendy Babcock. My VIP paid speaker program is just the ticket you need to convert your knowledge into real income. No matter what size group you're speaking to, or if you don't have any products, books, or programs to sell, even if you're not a celebrity or a household name, from crafting your talk to finding and booking paid speaking gigs, get it all with Wendy's VIP paid speaker program. Keynote speakers can make anywhere from $2,500 to $7,500 bucks a talk. Together, we'll not only amp up your speaking game, you'll discover the ins and outs of finding and booking those lucrative gigs and get paid every time you step on stage. Right now, get 90 days of full access to the Paid Speaker Vault and a direct line to Wendy, plus a bonus, an immersive three-hour VIP day with Wendy to create your online profiles that event hosts simply can't resist. Don't wait. Sign up now at VIPPaidSpeaker.com. VIPPaidSpeaker.com. Now, America's Small Business Conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to The Pat Miller Show. This is America's Small Business Conversation. And on the show, we want to help you achieve your small business dreams. To do that, we have to make sure that you're implementing change in the business because we always got to grow. We got to try new things. We can't sit still or the competition will pass us on the left. So we're going to talk about change today in your small business and we're not going to do it solo. We're bringing in an expert. MJ Reiners is the president of Summerland Education. She's a small business uh, and a leadership change expert. So MJ, welcome to the program. How are you today? I'm doing great, Pat. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Change is something that we all have to do almost every single day. But some of us, almost all of us, aren't really good at it. Why is implementing a change so dang hard? Well, you know, Pat, a lot of it is human nature, right? I mean, we have to develop a little bit of understanding as business leaders to help our stakeholders. And the brain likes, human brain likes control. The human brain likes certainty. So when we as business leaders can craft experiences to help our stakeholders move with us, understanding the nature of the human brain, we can adapt better, faster, and cheaper. Now, let's talk about that because it sounds like the first stakeholder is between our ears because we don't want to make a change. So if you know you need to do something in the business, how do you even start the conversation with yourself if you're the first person that you have to convince that change is necessary? Well, and that's true. A lot of times it is scary for us. And what I try to encourage people to do is to visualize a positive state. And the more they can accurately visualize that for themselves, then they can share that more with their stakeholders. And to me, curiosity is that starting point. Asking that question as a business leader, you know, what if and what could this be like if we tried this different approach? And just not accepting status quo, because status quo, again, that's part of the brain that likes control. It likes status quo. It doesn't want to engage in new activities and to stretch. But the more we get out of our own comfort zone as business leaders, the more we are inspiring to those people that are in our organization. And so it does start with us as business leaders. And I try and recommend just to start with curiosity and then start talking about that and visualize with your teams so that everybody can kind of have a future thought of what it could be like. 
I really like using that filter of curiosity rather than task lists or KPIs. You know, let's explore that for a second. If we're going to think about a change that needs to happen in the business and really lean into the curiosity, can you help us understand that a little bit more? Because that seems to be a very clear and clever way to go about it. Absolutely. But I've led large-scale change projects for over 20 years. And what I've learned really does apply to all businesses. And many organizations go through the same patterns of, of change. And 70% of all change efforts do fail. And I think that a lot of times we're afraid to get passionate about it. We're afraid to bring excitement and spawn into the change process. But change done well can really be fun and inspiring for people. And it all comes down to execution. And I encourage people, there are individuals in your organization, I am certain of it, that love to share their art and share their passion about change. They may not be vocal about it, but that, you know, they, they are there. And so it's finding some of those energizers, if you will, and having them share some of those experiences or those vision exercises, those curiosity exercises. And then sooner or later that, that, that idea and that passion starts to grow and people jump in. We're talking about change in your small business if you're just joining us and the fear associated with it. MJ Reiners is our guest. And I like talking about passion and excitement and curiosity. But as the business leader, especially when you need to communicate what the change will be to the team, that can kind of raise the stakes a little bit, can it? If you say, listen, I'm really excited and this is going to be the next big thing. Does that add more pressure to the stakeholder that they're like emotionally investing themselves in a change that hasn't happened yet? Absolutely. And as a business owner, as a business leader, you've got to kind of think through, there are three things for a stakeholder that they need to process emotionally. First of all, they have to be, they have to believe in the change. They have to believe in that future vision. So that's on the business leader to be inspiring and to build on that curiosity. And then the stakeholder needs to be committed. And generally, that's developed through excitement and enthusiasm and shared experience with their colleague. And then the third is taking action that will overcome obstacles. Things are going to come your way and they will disrupt perhaps a, a planned approach. But as long as you stick with the goal, you can overcome those obstacles. So persistence is really, really key. And so it's remembering, understanding, desire, and persistence to get that change to stick. Let's help translate that to our staff. And for some of us that don't have staff, our stakeholders and contractors that we're using, I've heard someone say before, what's in it for me? Do you have to translate the curiosity and passion to what's in it for them if this is successful? I talk about that, Pat. You're still so right. And what I love to combine is not just what's in it for them, but what's in it or the broader group, the broader business, right? So you as the business owner, you know what's in it for the business. So when a individual employee, team member, stakeholder understands what's in it for them as well as what's in it for the business, a powerful goodwill can be generated. And that can help people overcome some of that fear, take those first initial steps into experiencing what the change might be like. And so that's how you can build camaraderie to move the team forward. We've found our curiosity. We've communicated it with the team. And as we're moving forward, our brain is pulling us back to our old state of being. What do you recommend to 
track our progress, to motivate us to keep acting when it starts to get uncomfortable? How do you coach someone through the actual dirty work of making the change over time? Well, that's an important is um, actually change progress. We feel better when we're making progress. So we have feelings of happiness and joy that comes from meaningful work. And even if that work is the struggle. So I do, you know, as much simple, basic, you know, progress metrics, you know, some of the, you know, like in terms of the work, but also in terms of the units of joy that people are getting out of the work, you know, and, and who is it benefiting? So sometimes you have to think beyond yourself to this is benefiting my, my community, my organization, so that you, you share that purpose beyond yourself to continue to help you pull forward. If you're just joining us, this is the Pat Miller Show, America's Small Business Conversation. We're talking about the fear of change with MJ Reiners. We've only got a minute left, MJ. So can you tell us about a successful change story? You've mentioned that you've gone through a bunch of change in your career. So can you tell us of a time when you had to make a change, you made the change, it went well? Like, I want to hear a war story of how it's supposed to go. When I first started doing large-scale change projects, we did them very, very small. And we did them one at a time to ensure that the stakeholders had adapted to that change successfully. And we promoted so much support for them because it's a, if we don't support them, they're going to go back to their old ways. And my largest project that I just ran four or five years ago included 250 of these individual businesses. We went live on one day. So if we had done that 20 years ago or back in the early days, it would have taken us if we'd done them one at a time, like 20 years to get that work done. This business that we stood up 250 clinics at one time was a billion dollar business. So go slow, be successful, and then scale for for speed and for complexity change in the business and how to overcome the fear of it. MJ Reiner's president of Summerland Education. Thanks for coming on the Pat Miller Show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Pat. This was awesome. Thank you. America's Small Business Conversation continues next on the Pat Miller Show. Developing your business is a journey. So make sure and bring along a trusted sidekick. As your business grows, Sidekick Accounting will be there. Sidekick Accounting's core services help take the confusion out of bookkeeping, tax preparation, and tax planning. Who's going to keep track of all those pesky receipts and invoices? Well, Sidekick Accounting has things covered as you grow your version of business success. So whether your small business is a side hustle or a conduit to freedom and owning your own business in time, get in touch with a trusted Sidekick. Sidekick Accounting. There are expert advisors waiting to hear from you now. Feel free to call or send a text message to 414-310-7689. That's 414-310-7689. You can find them on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, or visit Sidekick-Accounting.com. Remember, developing your business is a journey, so bring along a trusted Sidekick. Now, America's Small Business Conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to The Pat Miller Show, America's Small Business Conversation. On this show, we want to help you make more money, and we want you to be able to talk with anyone when it's time to grow your business. We're going to have a conversation today about introverts. There's a way to do business with them. There are things that they like and they're not crazy about. We're going to bring on a guest that's an admitted introvert that leads a group full of introverts, and she's going to share with us what do we need to know. 
It's going to be a fascinating discussion. Beth Houtrow is the founder of Climb, the small business book club. Beth, thank you for coming on the Pat Miller Show. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Pat. Excited to be here. I'm excited you're here too. We want to know more about doing business with introverts. And you're not only an introvert, you lead a group that you say is full of introverts. So let's get to the start of this conversation. I think a lot of people mistake introversion for shyness. Is there a difference between those two things? Yeah, they're not for everybody, but yes, like the actual definition is that shyness is more about social anxiety. It's like lower key social anxiety. It's it's a fear of rejection. Introversion, really the number one thing, right, is that you get tired from overexposure, usually to people. Um, and that you that means you tend to be very thoughtful about the kind of conversations that you want to engage with. So introverts tend to shy away from small talk. They tend to lean more towards real content, real discussions, and can get pretty exhausted if they're supposed to have small talk with lots and lots and lots of people um, and kind of create these like surface level relationships. They're much better at um, stronger relationships with fewer people. Um, and so that's what they're looking for in their in their communication. That sounds like a terrific business contact if you're trying to build a real relationship and do some long-term business. If you and I were having a discussion for the first time, are there any clues or any signs that might lead us to the idea that the person we're talking to is an introvert short of them just coming out and saying, hey, I'm an introvert? <laughs> well, in a group setting, introverts tend to not jump in. Um, another thing that I've recently read, not being a scientist, is that uh, introverts have a lower dopamine reaction to being recognized and seen than extroverts. And so they don't have the same desire to be heard. Um, they'll have opinions, they'll want to contribute, but they don't need to be kind of the center of attention, usually, right, for most introverts. Everything's a spectrum. And so odds are pretty good that the person, if you're in a group of four or five people, probably isn't saying very much. They're paying attention, they're making eye contact, they're nodding, but they're probably not contributing a lot or they have just an occasional thing to say. Of course, there's also the shy introvert who's just like at the table munching on the pigs in a blanket, or whatever <laughs> that is. <laughs> and that's who I talk to because I hate getting into these big groups, like stepping in and trying to, uh -huh, uh -huh, you know, that, that, because I'm yeah. not going to probably cut into the conversation. I will find the nervous person and I like almost certain they're going to be the introvert like me will, um, will share about kind of the difficulty of being in the room, but then we can make a real connection because there's that commonality. So for extroverts, uh, you know, if somebody looks kind of nervous on the side of the room, approaching them and having a real conversation with them, they don't not want to talk. They're there, right? They got there but they're probably not going to insert themselves into conversations. And so they'll probably be grateful if, you know, if you go talk to them, um, if you have a real conversation with them, right? Not a, what can I do for you? What can you do for me? Kind of like immediate sales pitch, but you know, real get to know your conversation. This is a really helpful conversation if you want to do better business with folks that are introverts. We're talking with Beth Houtrow, the founder of Climb, the small business book club. It's unique to talk to you about this because you're an admitted introvert and you had an interesting discovery in this really cool community of readers that you've built. Can you share that discovery with us and how it will affect you moving forward? Sure. So I built my book club as something, so it's a book club for small business owners reading business books, as something I would want to do. And it didn't occur to me that what I'd done is built a space where introverts would feel comfortable building a network. 
So the way that it works is um, each class, I teach a little bit and I present some discussion topics for people to think about. And then they go into breakout rooms or three or four people, no bigger, because inevitably if they're bigger, some people are uncomfortable to interject or come in and they have conversations based on those questions that I've asked. So they already know what they're supposed to talk about. There's no small talk involved and they're getting down to business and, and really focusing. All of this works really well for introverts. Now, I didn't occur to me that that's what I was going to bring into the group and book readers, not always introverts, but there's, there's a little correlation there. And then we were having a conversation in the full group and I just made some comment like, oh yeah, oh, I'm an introvert. Anyone else here introverts? And the whole room, the whole room. And I did another, because we have a couple of meetings, another one, one person said they were an ambivert and everybody else said they were introverts. And I was like, oh, this makes sense. I made something that would make me feel comfortable and I attracted people who would feel comfortable with this and it's introverts. So it was a nice revelation. Going forward, I don't have to make a lot of changes, but what I've realized is why I don't enjoy other networking groups that I'm in. I've started to really reflect on, and I I was joking about this with you, um, presenter level of energy. If somebody is too energetic, most people think, oh, that brings the energy up and everyone's excited. But for an introvert who can get tired, extended noise and energy actually brings our, our energy down. And so I was like, oh, that's why I don't like this experience is because of this. And so I want to be supportive and happy, but not like, whoa, we're so excited you're here. (laughs) (laughs) You will never get that in my group because it would make me exhausted and my members exhausted. Um, So, yeah, that's that's what I've learned from it. And so going forward, a lot of my marketing is going to I've realized this is who I need to be talking to. It's not book lovers, but people who want a place to meet other introverts or other business owners, but in a a way that they feel safe and comfortable. It's a fascinating discovery because oftentimes when we talk about targeting and ideal clients, it comes down to straight ahead demographics of age, Mm -hmm. name, sex, gender, blah, 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 blah. But not usually something, I wouldn't even call it personality type per per se. It's more of the extrovert introvert scale, Mm -hmm. and it will change a lot of what you do moving forward. Okay. So let's say we are an introvert, right? Mm -hmm. And we need to go out and deal with extroverts all the time. I would imagine a true introvert has already got their strategies to do so, but as an expert uh, building networks and, and building communities, do you have any tips that you would share about how an introvert can make their way into an extrovert's world easier? Yeah. I think one of the things is being okay with the fact that you're an introvert. And so if you're going to go networking, don't ask yourself to try and you're like, oh, tonight I'm going to meet 30 or 40 people. Yeah. You know, it's going to make you miserable. You know, it's going to make you unhappy. And odds are that's going to reflect in the way you're engaging with people. People are going to know that you are unhappy (laughs) Um, if that's how you're feeling. Very few of us can hide those kind of emotions. So be willing to just meet a few people. If it's a conference, and look, I'm just going to be open about this. I have gone home to the hotel and cried because Mm. I was so exhausted at the end of multiple conferences. It is so emotionally draining for me to be in a room like that for that long with that much noise, with meeting that many people um, that, yeah, I literally will go back to the hometown room and like cry for a little bit, read a book and go to sleep. <laughs> that is how I manage it. And so 
if you are out at a conference or something like that, know that it is perfectly reasonable to go find the quietest spot that you can find. And you don't have to always be engaging with people. You can skip a session. You need to do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Because if you're miserable by the end of the day, then even if you're trying, odds are pretty good. You're not producing good relationships, good connections. So that's a big one for me. And for conference or like large event creators, making a space that's quiet, someplace people can go, is hugely important for introverts. Um, just someplace where it's okay to go and sit on your phone and, and have everyone around you be quiet too. Like it's just a quiet space. That is a power tip and something I will be stealing for the Idea Collective Retreat in November. Uh, we're talking with Beth Houtrow. Before I let you go, Beth, uh, I would be, you know, just not doing my job if I didn't ask about what's a great business book you've read recently, because that's what you do. So is there anything that we should all be thumbing through right now? Well, you know, what we're reading right now, and it came from you, um, is Who Not How. Yes. Which is, yes. Perfect on this networking idea. And it talks, a lot of them talk about this idea that the key to great networking is not to hand out your business card to a million people, but to get build real relationships, give before you get, right? And and have this be, your business network should be similar to your personal network, that you care about these people, they want to engage with them. And that's where introverts thrive. They They don't want to hand out things to a million people, they want to have real relationships. And so even though I don't think Who Not How was written by an introvert, there were so many parts of it that I was like, oh, thank goodness. Okay, this is what I was supposed to be doing. It's okay that I don't want to go and hand my business card out to everybody, right? It's more important that I have real relationships. So that's what we're talking about right now. And it's a great book. It's just a great reminder that don't try and do everything by yourself. Find people who already know how to do things. They'll leapfrog you forward um, and make things so much easier. Amen to that. You need to know about Climb, the small business book club, the founder and CEO and queen, or I don't know what else I want to call you, but Beth Houtrow, thank you for coming on the Pat Miller Show. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Pat. It's great being here. America's small business conversation continues next on the Pat Miller Show. Krista Morrissey for Choices Coaching and Consulting. Do you know where most small businesses go wrong? They invest in everything except their leaders. But through strong leaders comes strong business. Are you doing it wrong? Most small businesses focus on production and numbers. Production and numbers come through strong, resilient leaders. And strong leaders strengthen culture. They strengthen your resiliency and they strengthen your bottom line. I develop strong, resilient leaders who will drive your business. It is time for you to refocus your investment. Go to choicescoachingconsulting.com and let's you and I start the conversation now before someone else invests in your leaders. When you invest in your leaders, you invest in the bottom line of your business. Connect with Krista at choicescoachingconsulting.com. Act now. Krista at choicescoachingconsulting.com. You have a brand. Your business's brand is one of the most important things on your plate. As a business owner, you keep up with the trends. So what's hot these days? 
It's Live Events. Owning your small business combined with speaking at live events positions you as the expert in your field. That's where Bankable Events comes into play. Bankable Events is an event advisory and management firm with a primary focus on maximum conversion events. With more than 4,000 live events under their belt, they have the expertise to design face-to-face events that get your audience pumped up and generate profits. The minute you partner with Bankable Events, they'll start creating a customer customized strategy to take you from idea to income. Just think of the opportunities ahead for you. Call 303-550-1123 or head to bankableevents.com. Join over 1,000 other small business owners and CEOs who use Bankable Events to build community and drive revenue. That's bankableevents.com. Now, America's small business conversation continues on The Pat Miller Show. Welcome back to the Pat Miller Show, America's small business conversation. We're going to talk about dumb people. We're going to talk about the dumbest person on the planet. I'm talking about this because odds are, if you're like me, you felt like the dumbest person on the planet at some point in the last week. You forgot to attach the document to the email. You didn't add up the invoice correctly. You called a client by the wrong name. I did that this past week. Oh my gosh, I felt like an idiot. You forgot about the two o'clock on Tuesday. We all do dumb stuff and we do dumb stuff, not because we're dumb people. (laughs) We do dumb stuff because we're doing everything at once. So hearing about someone else that was stupid kind of makes us feel better. So I don't know if this is like the best character trait or anything, but it makes me feel better to tell the story. So let's tell the story about the dumbest person on the planet. And I'm telling you this story because it comes from a very special place in my heart. You see, last month, my wife, Abby, and I took an amazing trip. We went to Italy. I had never left the country before, ever. And we went to Italy for like 12 days. We spent three days in Rome and a week in Tuscany. And I won't show you our vacation photos on the radio because nobody cares. But one part of this story relates to the stupidest person on the planet. You see... We spent a tour afternoon going through the Colosseum. Now, you can picture the Colosseum, how beautiful and gorgeous the Colosseum is. And we went through the Colosseum, and it really struck me in particular. Why did the Colosseum speak to me? Well, my job is to be on the air to talk with you, to basically perform every single day. And when I walked into the Colosseum, onto the floor of the Colosseum, And I looked around, and I don't know why this struck me, but I could feel, I swear I could feel the history and the vibe of thousands and thousands and thousands of performers that stood on that same spot to tell a joke, to persuade, to advocate. They spent hours and weeks thinking about what they wanted to say and practicing what they wanted to say and performing and all of that was pent up and if you've performed ever you know that hope and that energy that happens right before you step on stage that vibe i swear came through the ground into my heart and just overwhelmed me and as i stood there in the coliseum beautiful day blue skies i just sat down and i looked around and i just felt that feeling 
So we got the tour of the Coliseum and it was amazing and we walked through it and sidebar, it felt remarkably contemporary. It felt like I was walking through Soldier Field in Chicago, Bears. It it did feel like every other stadium you've ever been in. Anyway, so we walked through the Coliseum and it was incredible. And we walked out and I just thought, this is just a special moment in my life. I will remember that feeling. Now, here comes the stupidest person on the planet, and it's not me for once. Did you see the news story that a tourist was caught carving his name into the wall of the Coliseum? Now, that's not the stupid part. I mean, that's incredibly stupid. They signed into the Coliseum Ivan and Haley 23. Now, That's just incredibly dumb. Like, why would you deface the Coliseum like that? I mean, you'd have to really love this chick to do that, first of all. Secondly, you carve into the Coliseum your name. Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But this isn't the stupid part. Here's the stupid part. Turns out that the folks in Rome, they're pretty sensitive about their, you know, uh, monuments they are big mad about this and they should be like one thing you don't do is go to rome and mess with all of the sites so after carving ivan and haley into the coliseum turns out that you could go to jail for that it's a fifteen thousand dollar fine and five years in prison five years in prison That is not a thing for carving the name of you and your girlfriend into the wall. So here's the stupidest person on the planet portion of this conversation. Not only did they make a bad choice to carve them and their girlfriend's name into the side of the Coliseum. Here's the dumb part. With the advice of their lawyer, they had to release a letter apologizing. And here's the dumb part. This is a quote right from the letter. I admit with deepest embarrassment that it was only after what regrettably happened that I learned of the antiquity of the monument. Huh? So this guy goes to Rome known for old things, gets a tour of the Colosseum. And if there's a tour of the place, you probably you know should be tipped off. That it's old. They don't lead tours of the Taco Bell inside the suburbs. Then he has to get a lawyer, which is embarrassing. And then the lawyer has to release a letter saying, I didn't know it was old. Oops. Come on. When you go through Rome, the Coke bottle is from 817 A.D. Everything in Rome is old. Everything. The city is so old, the roads aren't even wide enough for two cars to go down the street. That's how old Rome is. So there's no word yet on how the Roman authorities are going to treat this person, other than the entire world is laughing at you. But that's what happened. They had to send a letter out saying, I didn't know the Colosseum was old. So later this week, or the next time... You do something stupid. Remember, you are not stupid like Ivan is stupid. Ivan. Of course, his name is Ivan, right? Isn't that fantastic? All right. So before we get out of here, I want to remind you of one more thing on this week's Pat Miller Show. Coming up in August, 
August 19th, we get to spend a day with Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First. Now, if you are not a believer in the Profit First methodology, you should be, because Profit First is the way to become instantly profitable in your business on day one. Because if you're like me, you have had the experience of uh, too many expenses and not enough paycheck, right? Profit First will hardwire every dollar in your business to make sure that you're profitable. And if this is the first time you've heard the words Profit First, do me a favor, go get the book. Trust me on this. It is a great, easy read that will change the way that you look at how to make money in your small business. Anyway, we get to spend an entire day with Mike Michalowicz, the guy that wrote the book. We're going to spend an entire day in Chicagoland for an event called the Small Business Rebellion. It's a brand new event focusing on time, money, and real relationships. If you're in the area, I would love to see you there. Visit smallbusinessrebellion.com for more information. That's smallbusinessrebellion.com. I'm Pat Miller, the Idea Coach, done with this week's episode of The Pat Miller Show. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you right here next week. Thanks for listening to The Pat Miller Show. See patmillershow.com for more information on today's guests, events, and the Idea Collective small business community. A worldwide group working together to fight fear, inexperience, and isolation for small business owners everywhere. Join us next week for The Pat Miller Show. And remember, get clear, work hard, and never quit. Guests on The Pat Miller Show have agreed prior to appearing that they are receiving consultation and advice that they may or may not use at their own risk. No part of the show should replace accounting, tax, or legal advice.